1: From baseball's top personalities. The
2: Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Casas is here on A's Cast Live. To the
0: A's legendary players.
2: Five time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. You just think about it to lunch and run with our shirts off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you insane. This is A's Unfiltered
1: with Chris Townsend.
2: Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and today we have Mike Gallego, Bip Roberts, and from the athletic, Melissa Lockhart. We love us some Mike Gallego, a terrific A, now the third base coach for the Los Angeles Angels. Here is Mike Gallego. Mike Gallego, Gags, one of our all-time favorites here on A's (laughs) Cast Live. How are you?
0: Chris, how you doing, man? Doing great. Trying to... Deal with uh, everything that's going on around here, obviously, but uh, that's what we do. We just keep dealing with it and get knocked down, get, jump back up, and uh, go to war. So that's what we're doing around here right now. How you been?
2: We've been well. I gotta tell you, down in Southern California, there is—I mean, amongst the teams, there's a lot of drama going on. I mean, all of a sudden, you had what was going on with you guys. Now Juan Soto is just south of you. Uh, there's a there, there's a lot of baseball stories in your neck of the woods.
0: Well, who doesn't want to play in California? I mean, that's the place to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we got Hollywood, we got San Diego, we got the Oakland Coliseum, Ricky Henderson Field, and we got, you know, the Los Angeles Angels. So yeah, there's a lot of things going on around here for sure. And don't forget the Dodgers and the Giants as well. But um, great place to play, um, great place to be. Players, you know, want to be here, want to play on this uh, West Coast, and uh, I know there was a couple of players that we traded that were very disappointed uh, to leave, even though we were, you know, in the uh, in the area that we are as a team. So um, that goes to tell you how much, uh, how comfortable, not comfortable, but how nice it is to play in California. No doubt about it.
2: How tough was it for you guys? At one point, you're riding high, you're battling, you're thinking about winning the division. And then just for whatever reason, the floor fell from, from out for from me, guys. And obviously, the change with Phil Nevin and Joe Madden being out. It happened so fast, that 14-game losing streak. Just how tough was that as a staff?
0: Um, you know, it's, it's obviously one of the worst things I've ever been through as a, uh, as a coach and as a player, no doubt. Um, it's something that you don't wish upon anybody, um, but at the same time, you know, I really felt that, uh, if we had the right, uh, players, which I believe there's quite a few in here that, uh, could learn from that. Um, we're going to be better for it. Obviously it didn't quite work out that way after I was hoping to turn things around after the all-star break, um, didn't quite work out that way. Uh, there was, like you said, there was a change in manager. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's just. A matter of lining, lining up the stars and finding the right chemistry. And, you know, obviously the injuries didn't help us at all, not to make any excuses. But um, I still believe this team has um, has that, that fight, that determination uh, deep inside. And, and it's just a matter of what staff member, what manager, what uh, front office can get that out in these guys from these guys and uh, be, uh, be competitive throughout the season and get an opportunity to play in the playoffs.
2: Well, the guy you got going tonight, Shohei Ohtani. I can't even believe it. It was even rumored that he possibly could get traded. But as somebody who gets to watch him every day, as a hitter, as a pitcher, is it still a situation where you're watching him and you just go, "I can't believe that this guy is doing what he's doing on a daily basis"?
0: He's incredible. He really is. You know, um, you know, watching him and obviously. Uh, watching when Mike Trout was healthy, watching him go about his business day in and day out, you know, it, it was it was like, um, you know, uh, you know, these guys are definitely special athletes, special people, special players to be able to go out there and do what uh, they've done. But but Otani, he's on a different category all all, all alone. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, um, you think when he pitches you would think he'd want to take it easy on the base paths. He actually gets mad at us when we give him the red light. He wants to steel bases. He wants his uniform dirty like a little leaguer when he's on the mound. Let's put it that way. He, he, he thrives on having his uniform, you know, dirty when he's out there. And then, you know, when it's a tight – he wants a tight game, and he wants to be the guy to hit that – get that winning RBI. You know, so it's – it's and with the ability to do it. I mean, a guy that can hit the ball over 100 miles per hour, lost and throw over 100 miles an hour – you just don't see that you know this is once in a lifetime deal and and we we get the opportunity to watch this work this man work every day and uh, talk about a guy that has uh, baseball instinct and baseball knowledge Uh, he's he's impressive in the dugout as well he doesn't miss a pitch he doesn't miss uh, a bad basemaning mistake he doesn't miss a great play this guy is a uh, you know he pulls for his teammates he works in he, he works impeccably every single day there's something to everything he does there's a reason for everything he does in the clubhouse in the weight room in the food room hes he's he's a you know he's a he's definitely a special special player that you know we you know won't understand the privilege that we've had uh if he does leave and uh so we just i just sit there and watch and, and swallow it and take it all in and and um Hopefully, get a chance to watch him play for a long, long time.
2: The guy's making the big leagues look like it's the little league. I mean, it's just—I, I, you know, he's the best pitcher. He's the best hitter. He's—it's like you just don't do this. It's incredible.
0: No, it's incredible. And and he's a student of the game. I mean, this guy studies the pitcher. He studies he studies the hitters he's facing. He wants his defense in a certain position. Um, most you know most pitchers nowadays they just let the analytics take care of positioning. He wants to see where we're playing. He wants to see how we're playing certain hitters. He knows he's going to pitch a certain hitter a certain way, so he wants our his defense, uh, you know, to play the way he expects to pitch to the hitter. Where you know you give that opportunity to most starting pitchers, and they look at you and they go, "That's that's your that's your area. We don't want anything to do with that. Just put them where you think they should be." But this guy is in tune with everything that's going on on the field and off the field, and um, he's definitely an ambassador of the game and. And he's going to be that guy for a long, long time. And hopefully, uh, you know, we find a way to keep him around. If not, whoever gets him is going to be a very lucky organization. It's going to be a very uh, exciting uh, uh, happening for that city. And and, uh, it'll be a, a joy to watch this guy continue to break all the records that are available out there.
2: As a man who's been playing up the middle defensively or teaching up the middle defense your entire life, are you looking forward to, or will you miss when they ban shifts?
0: <laughs> Great question. Um, when, when we started handing out, the first day they started handing out cards to the infielders to tell them where to position, I went to the front office and, and voiced my opinion and said, the, the worst thing that's going to happen from, from these positioning cards is we're going to lose players, infielder's range. And they went, what do you mean? I said, because these guys, they'll go to their spot where they're, po- they're supposed to be on the card. And if it's not hit to their spot, they consider it not their ball. So they're not learning to read balls off the bat. They're not learning to uh, watch swings. They're not learning to watch uh, location. They're not learning to know, not willing to know what your repertoire of your pitcher has. You know, you don't, they, don't, they don't care if a pitcher has a good fastball that day or a good breaking ball or is hitting its spots or not. Uh, they don't understand. They don't even, they don't even give, they don't even want to know the sign. They don't even want to know the pitches. You know, they, it's, it's amazing. You know, we're like, I'm sitting there going, how are you getting jumps? Well, they're not trying to get jumps. You know, they just expect the ball to be hit to that spot. So to answer your question, I'm excited. I'm excited that they hopefully, hopefully they take it back and we don't do any more of the shifting. And I think with that, the players infielders definitely have to pay more attention to those type of details I just mentioned. And, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more plays, obviously, uh, as opposed to a line drive up the middle and your second baseman standing right there. So now we got to see you guys moving, moving to uh, uh, getting position and, and reading swings and reading pitches, and I think that it'll make the game for most people a lot more exciting.
2: And and kind of the dirty secret nobody talks about. Uh, is that pitchers are uncomfortable with the shifts behind them and some data has shown that pitchers will walk even though you're gonna take some outs away pitchers will also, walk more guys with the shift behind them which walks lead to run so sometimes it can even it out and I've just seen lately with some of our defenses like double plays don't get made because guys are out of position they don't technically know where to go they don't react fast enough have you just seen reaction time be slower because we're putting players in unnatural positions
0: no no doubt absolutely I mean you know if you're a second baseman standing on a shortstop side and balls hit to the third baseman and you got runners on first and third, and you got to turn a double play looking to your, to your right and running forward. I mean, this is an awkward position to be in, you know, and, and with the runner barreling down on you, fortunately we do have that new rule. That is another rule that I'm not fond of, of not being able to hit the middle infielders. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't know how to teach this double play anymore. I used to teach, how to get out of the way of turning when you're turning a double play. I would teach middle infielders how to m- maneuver over a sliding uh, runner that's willing to knock you on your butt in order to break up a double play to help a run score, or get a run over, whatever it may be. Back in the day, those are those are the things that you used to get high fives from when you broke up a double play. Nowadays, that's not even talked about. you know. And, and so, yes, uh, there's no doubt uh, this um, has taken a lot of instinctual uh, – Abilities away from our middle infielders and there's a lot of good athletes out there. So uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully that the change of that those rules and um, and hopefully we'll get uh, an opportunity for these young players to really show uh, the athletic abilities that they have. Well,
2: we know how much the Oakland A's mean to you and your career and your family, and the era that you played in was such a great era, and we're really starting to honor players from that time. I've been doing a lot of TV with Dave Stewart, your teammate, who you won a world championship with. Uh, this year for the A's Hall of Fame, Steve Vucinich and Keith Lippman are, are both going in. Just, just, How does that make you feel that guys that you played with guys that you were around, people in the organization, are finally getting their due that they deserve?
0: Well, obviously, we're all very proud, you know, of, of when, any, when anybody is uh, receiving an accolades for, for being an Oakland A, you know, because we all know uh, the teams that we had those in that era, obviously, were, were special teams, you know, and, and um, every time we see each other, like I just came from Atlanta, and I got to hang out with Walt Weiss for three days. And, I mean, it was, it was, you know, just talking about right now brings chills to my, to my spine right now, just, just remembering of the things that Walt and I used to do and, and talk about doing on the field, you know. And then other players would come up and, and, and talk to us about it. And uh, it, it was something that, you know, obviously we all were, are very, were very blessed and very proud to be a part of at that time. But um, for these guys to get the, uh, the attention that they deserve, you know, finally, like you said, Um, You know, I also got an opportunity to play for, you know, another pretty uh, uh, historical team, which was, which is the Yankees. And they always said, once you put the pinstripes on, uh, you know, you've, you know, you know, it's, it's something very proud to be a part of, you know, be able to wear the pinstripes. Well, I say that about the white shoes. You know, I feel the same way. I, I, to this day, every time I put a pair of white shoes on, like right now I'm wearing white shoes for batting practice, white tennis shoes. And it's, it just takes me back to, my Oakland time and and it's something that I'm all very proud of and you know fortunate we are you know getting a chance to see a couple of old friends over there today not the same teams that uh, we've seen in the past but you know it's just the green and gold and and uh, it's something that will always be uh, a part of our our lives like you said and and um, something to be very proud of and and yes you know I I I believe that um, uh, the history of these Oakland A's teams are just as important or just as big as, as the Dodgers and the Yankees and Red Sox type of, uh, type of team and, and organization. So it's something that, yes, we're all very proud to be a part of, and and uh, hopefully it will continue to to get the uh, attention that this organization needs. Well,
2: they retired your number in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did, number two. Yeah. They definitely did. And they retired it, they actually retired it in in Oakland too, number nine. If no one if no one really remembers that, but I had number nine before Reggie uh, came back, and uh, so so yeah, I've I've I got two numbers retired from two teams. So how about that? I and, didn't realize how good of a player and I, in my own mind I was.
2: Let's not forget this, because I still have it. You weren't a bobblehead. You had the first action figure that was given away at the Coliseum.
0: <laughs> there you go. Good point. There's the there's the point. I knew I knew I was born to be a coach. You uh, know, so. Uh, I'm enjoying it. You know, they got that, you know, I'm back out there again. I've, I've been out, on the, uh, on the bench as a bench coach for the last couple of years. So uh, now with the new, uh, new manager, Phil Nevin, he, uh, he came from the third base box obviously. And now he asked me to go back out there and, and get, you know, cause I'm basically the only coach on this, on this team that has the experience of, of being a third base coach. So um, it definitely keeps you young being out there on the field again. So I'm excited to be back out there and um, hopefully, uh, we can rack up a few more runs and make my job a little more important.
2: Well, you, your time in Oakland meant a lot to a lot of people. I know there's a lot of guys that grew up playing in the middle infield who wanted to be you when they grow up. And I know they've talked to you about that over time. And just what, uh, just the relationship you'll always have here will, will be great and we're, 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 we're not pulling for you guys at all down in Anaheim. You know that. But we pull for <laughs> yeah, you, but we don't pull for the rally monkey, and we don't pull for the oh, Angels. But you will always. I'm
0: still, I'm, I'm still not used to that damn rally monkey. Believe me.
2: <laughs> How long are they going to keep that thing rolling?
0: I have no idea. I, I don't know. I think it's, it comes from above. Obviously, somebody <laughs> likes it up there, and uh, uh, I, think, uh, I think it's going to stick around for a while.
2: Well, we'll see you up here soon. Great to hear your voice and keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you'll always be one of our favorites.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Chris. I appreciate you reaching out and still wanting to talk to me. But, uh, you know, I definitely miss Oakland. I definitely miss all the fans up there and and the whole organization. It's always something that uh, will be in my heart for the rest of my life. So, something I appreciate. Thank you all.
2: Take care, Gags.
0: All right, Chris. Take care.
2: The great Mike Gallego. From one middle infielder to another, former athletic, and you see him on NBC Sports California doing A's pre- and post-game live, the former All-Star, Bip Roberts. Well, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Yes, it is a special edition from NBC Sports California, the studios. It's a road game for us. The guy that I'm going to be doing A's pre- and post-game live today really needs no introduction as Truly one of the great players from the Bay Area to play in Major League Baseball. Now a TV host, the former All-Star, former A, Bip Roberts. And you know what? He's too pretty to just have him on the phone. So I'm like, you got to be in studio with us. You got to be on camera today. What's up, buddy? Hey,
3: man, everything is good. Uh, I finally get to see what you look like when you're doing your radio show.
2: This is, Well, I, I, I'd I like to say it always looks this nice in a studio like this. But let's I'll be honest with you. It, well, you've seen what we do on the field. Yeah, but this is kind of new digs for us as we're kind of trying new things. And of course, with me working with you today, we had to find a spot to do it. But this is this is the studio that everybody was using during covid calling the play by play, whether it was Glenn and Ray in Dallas or Kruk and Kipe or you talk about Warriors, you talk about Sharks. I mean, everybody, if they weren't at their own digs if they weren't at the arena or they weren't at the stadium. This is where they actually did the play-by-play. So right. they turned whatever room this is, with all the lighting and everything actually into a, a pretty nice studio for us to use.
3: It actually used to be the green room where we used to come hang out before the pre and the post. We're
2: the stars and you got your makeup done and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I really like it because you have the Oakland behind you and then there's the stadium right there. So it feels like you're actually at the stadium right now, even though we're in the studio.
2: Well, I got to tell you, when they first brought me back here to say, yeah, this is where we can start doing the show when you're here. They had a Giants background up. I was like, (laughs) bro, that ain't going to work. I'm going to tell you, if I walk in here and you have the Giants background, ah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I mean, I've already threatened to sit in crook and kite seats just to make people angry around here. So uh, that was not going to happen. We were on TV last night and, you know, what a wild game as we sat there in the studio and watched it as the A's scored the eight runs in extra innings, win in 12, big win. And where this season is, I mean, they were fighting not to be, still fighting not to be the first team with 60, 60 losses on a season, fighting to not be 30 games under 500, which I know makes your skin crawl. But I know it's just one win, but you got to start getting some good vibes because, you know, there is a lot of baseball left. Yeah, I, I like the words you use, fight. And that's what
3: they did last night. They kept fighting, and those guys kept going up there, putting good at bat after good at bat. And I think when you start to get hits, that's where you start to develop the confidence that you need. You know, at one point in time, we were talking this week about Tony Kemp being 0 for 21, but he gets a big hit last night in a big situation. And so that should give him the confidence to now go forward. You know what? I can have results in this game if I just continue to go up there and work hard. You saw Pender hit a grand slam last night. Yeah, He was another guy that had been struggling. See, And these two guys who hadn't really played every day as everyday players, but now they're trying to figure out what it takes to be everyday players and how you get through the good and the bad. And so when you see guys going out there, Lariano hits the ball hard the other way, he gets a home, he hits a home run. Those are the things you want to see. And then Murph gets four hits. His first hit was a hit the opposite way, just a bullet the other way. And it sets it up, sets him up to get four hits. He gets three hits. He gets that hit to the opposite field. Then he gets two hits by pulling and then he goes back the opposite way again. So his body is in great position. And we had a good uh, chance to talk to him last night. And, and that's what he felt after that first at bat, that his body was in good position to hit. So I think that after you have a game like that, of, of that magnitude last night, everyone to start to feel a little more comfortable and more confident as they take the field today.
2: Well, you said something last night that really, I- I've thought about all day and we're going to talk about it. We're taping this actually before the show starts. And Bip, who... I think you got to realize just not only played Major League Baseball, has coach, he's been a hitting coach, he's been a coach, so he's done more than just play. And you mentioned last night about how Tony Gwynn in his first at-bat, one of the greatest hitters of all time, the Hall of Famer who you played with, would always want to go to right field on the first at-bat because it sets him up for the rest of the game. And I'm thinking, man, you're, you're normally it's like hit it where it's pitched. No, I'm going to lock myself in in the first at-bat And then you mentioned that about Murph, and it really makes sense that I put myself in a good mindset in that first at-bat, knowing I'm going to get at least three more. And, heck, if you're going to be an extra innings game, you get four or five more. But he really got himself locked in. But just the first at-bat, feeling your hands inside, driving it, taking the whole body going the other way, it's just good fundamentals.
3: Yeah, Tony liked to let the ball travel deep, and he liked to hit the ball in that five-and-a-half hole. You know, if you don't know what the five and a half hole is, it's between third base and shortstop. And Tony being a left-handed hitter, he was always thinking, stay inside the ball, but let the ball travel deep. So the first at bat, when you let the ball travel deep, you're not hitting in the back of the strike zone. So now all you have to worry about is pitches in zones because you've already let the ball travel as deep as you need to and still made solid contact. So you're not going to get fooled on changeups. You're not going to chase sliders in the dirt. You're not going to be out in front on a curveball. You're going to let everything travel to the back of the strike zone, and then you're going to make your move on it. And that's what Tony was so good at that we all watched the San Diego Padres and said, you know what, I'm going to emulate that because, you know, good hitters like to see what the best hitters are doing and try to emulate some of those things, you know, calculate that into your swing and now you're like i'm not him but i can do some of the things that he does because i've watched him do it and i think last night when i saw murphy let that ball travel and then boom he exploded on it and the ball jumped off his bat i said oh he's locked in he's locked in already and i think that when a hitter can do that it builds him up as the game continues to progress because it doesn't matter who's coming in he already knows the back of the strike zone and so he's not going to try to hit in front of the strike zone where he's chasing pitches in the dirt He's not going to chase after that stuff. It's going to be tough to get him out. And as you saw last night, after that first at bat, you couldn't get Murph out.
2: You know, I've called for certain guys over the years on this show, and this guy should play every day. Or let's give this guy a chance. And one of the guys is Chad Pender, and I brought it up to you last night on television, and you made another great point. You know, if you haven't learned how to play every day, where you haven't learned – to where every single game, if you're going to play, let's say, I mean, not everybody's going to be Cal Ripken and play 162 every game. Um, but if you're going to play 155 plus games, it's the roller coaster ride, the ups and the downs that you're not you not only have to be able to keep your body healthy and your body in shape as much as possible, but it's the mental side of the game that you have to learn to be an everyday guy to learn with failure, to learn about the failure and ha- and not to have the failure conquer you. We were talking about that off the air yesterday. I went, you know, that's a really good point. You just think about why does he play every day? But then there's something, there's an art to playing every day that I think us mere mortals don't know about.
3: It is, and and you have to be a special guy to be able to deal with failure and not get the results you're looking for every day. I think that's the toughest part of a major leaguer. You see guys strike out, and you can hear in the microphone that they're going to say something that they shouldn't say because they're upset. They're going to make have a cuss word or, or something to get out that anxiety that's inside. But when you're learning how to play every day, you're going to have failure more than you have success. And How do you deal with that failure? Sometimes when guys are not everyday players and they can play two or three days in a row and they're they can go into the cage and they can figure it out because they're not playing that day or the next day or maybe even the next day. So you can flush out those bad swings by going up there and working on good habits. And now you come back three days later and you feel fresh again mentally. But the guys who play every day don't have that time off. You have to figure it out on the run. You have to get to the ballpark. You have to stay within what your work habits may be And then you have to find a way in that game to have your results. And again, I always go back to what Tony Gwynn used to do because I used to emulate the things he did because when you're successful and people can see that you're successful, they want to do the things that you're doing. Tony Gwynn would get to the ballpark early. And you can look at your watch and you can say, I know where Tony is right now. He's on the tee. Another 15 minutes. I know where Tony Gwynn is right now. He's taking extra batting practice. Another 15 minutes. I know where Tony Gwynn is. He's uh, looking at video. And then all of a sudden now we have our own regular batting practice. And you can see all the work that he's done already into the batting practice that we're taking together as a team. Now, what happens is he translates that into the game. All the video that he watched, he now knows what that pitcher's gonna do that night. And he knows exactly what he's gonna sit on. Now, a disciplined hitter can sit on a pitch. You see a fastball inside, boom, Tony would take it. You would go, Well, what is he looking for? That pitch was right there. He... There's a slider. He doesn't look for that slider. There's a changeup, and whack! He whacks a change changeup. And I've seen him do this against guys like Randy Johnson, where he knew Randy doesn't throw many changeups to lefties, but he's going to throw me one, and I'm going to sit on it. And he would say that before he went into the batter's box, <laughs> and he would sit on that changeup, get it, and whack it in the left field for a base hit.
2: Yeah,
3: that's what an everyday player thinks about. What are the weaknesses of this guy? Can he throw his secondary pitches for strikes? And if he does, I'm going to sit on one because he's going to come to it eventually. But you have to be disciplined. You have to be patient. And you learn that by playing every day. See, when you're a player who plays two, three days, and you get a couple of days off, you just go up there looking for fastball. You just said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to get a fastball, and I'm just going to rip it. But the everyday hitter says, okay, this is how this guy's going to come at me, and I need to be disciplined to sit on this because I know that if I can get the results off of that – I can do that tomorrow, and then I can do that the next day, and I'll ride it as long as I can because I'm having success with it. Whereas that player who plays once, two, three, he's just trying to get a couple hits, but he's not understanding that the longevity is I have to know what the pitch is going to do to me. I have to adjust to him every pitch in the batter's box, and I have to keep my approach each and every time. I can't change it.
2: You know, I have never heard one sports psychologist. I've never heard anybody who works with people about being more successful in life, in business. I'll bring it back to sports. A sports psychologist that says chaos is good, <laughs> inconsistency is good. I've never heard anybody say that. And we talk, a lot of it happens in the two sports I really love, of course, baseball and golf's the same thing. Routine, routine, routine. I don't even have to bring up what you just brought up with Tony Gwynn. Had this routine of every single day what he did to make him a great hitter. And some people will say, "Well, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time." Well, if the greats do it, that means the the guys who aren't the greats really need to do it because it works. But yet, unfortunately, and this has been going on even in the years we've been very successful. And I'll talk more about it now because we're not successful. Is we have no routine, we have chaos every day with who's where where people playing. Where are you hitting in the lineup? Who's in, who's out? There's no rhyme or reason ever. And here you are almost 30 games under 500. And I just say, man, why not just, you know, we've kind of, we, we kind of know what, who's what, why not have, if if you're saying, I don't care, Nick Allen, if you go, oh, for your next 80, you're leading off. I'm just using that as an example or whatever you want to do. Just give me a week of consistency. Cause to me, the guys who are not the greatest, not the elite, they need more consistency than anybody. I need it in my life, right? I need it for these shows. I get ready for shows. There's a difference Monday through Friday. I I work every day. You know, like a ball player, every single time you guys are playing, I'm working, right? So I have my, my things that I do before every show. I got the stuff that I do on the weekends where I'm just doing pre and post. I mean, there's a consistency. Would you, am I crazy, or would you like to see a little more consistency? No matter how bad the team is, Give me some consistency and see if some guys can thrive in it. Well, you're right. I I think
3: you have to figure out who can play every day and who's that guy that needs a break here and there. You know, as I said last night, when when I walk into the clubhouse or when I look at the door on the clubhouse now, I just see it's an opportunity 2022. And that opportunity is for all these guys who are coming up and down from the AAA team. And, yes, you want to get that long run. But the only way you're going to get that long run is to get hot. You can't, you know – Go 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 4, get two hits. And then what's gonna happen is he's gonna he may bring you out because you're not six for your last 12, or 6 for your last 10. See, as a manager, I'm looking at who's hot. And I need that guy in a lineup because I need results. This is can you get somebody lead. hot if it's always inconsistent? Well, here's my thing, and I'll just go back to when we were playing. We played when we were. And, and the manager would bring us up when we were hot. He didn't want to bring us up when we were cold. He wanted us to come up and be able to perform. This is a results league. You cannot go 0 for your 12, 0 for 15, 0 for 18, and expect to be in there every day. I got to get you out of there, bro. Sorry. You're not hot right now. And because you're not hot, you're not producing. I need You have to produce in this game. I don't need you to go 20 at-bats and give me four hits. I need you, if you get 20 at-bats, to give me at least eight hits nine hits and do some damage so it's, it's very difficult for a manager or a coach to get a guy in and out there in it every day if he's struggling yeah you might want to get him some run but does he deserve that run you got to be able to deserve that run you got to get out there and you got to get hot you can't get out there and play cold and expect to be in a lineup every day it just doesn't work it doesn't work for the manager it doesn't work for the team and then it doesn't work for that guy because he's struggling and it's just going to take his mentality down. He's not going to be as confident as he could be. So I just believe that. And I, I used to sit all the time. When I came back up in the big leagues, I was hitting 353 and I was banging. And Jack McKinn got me in the lineup when he said nobody coming up was going to play, but he knew I was hot and I stayed hot the entire season. I came back the next year hot and I I stayed hot the rest of my career. So it's about results and production. It's not about what I think or what I want. It's about what you're doing.
2: I got I got a, I got a, what did you end up? 298,
3: 296?
2: 294. You sure? Yeah. I I mean, I mean, I look back at your career, and a lot of people, yeah, 294. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. I mean, it was an unbelievable consistent career. And you look at the all-star game that you played in. I always like to say that I was there for that all-star game. And <laughs> I say one of the reasons why he's been my favorite all these years, bringing him on the program, is the fact that I grew up watching Pip. I watched basically bit a lot of Bit's career. And have so much respect for them. And uh, it's great to do television with you. Just we'll end on this. If there was some advice, we're heading to the All-Star break. You're going to have what we call the second half. You know you have less than 81 games, but you have a second half. What advice do you give to a lot of these A's players, whether you're old or young, and a lot has been a struggle? What advice do you give them? Well, I would say learn by listening. You can watch and you can see
3: things, but some things that guys say can click. It can make you all of a sudden figure, oh, that's what he's doing. And you could see it, but you may not be able to see it. So sometimes your ears have to be your eyes because you have to listen to what people are saying. And then you have to take that into consideration as to who you are and what you're doing. Like when I was young and I was struggling to go the other way, I listened to what Gary Templeton said. And if I struggled that day, I would go to Gary and say, hey, what did I do? And he would say, OK, let's put down this towel. And now go through your progression. And I would go through and he said, you didn't do that today. Because he would watch and see what I was doing because he knew exactly what I was doing. Had I watched what I was doing, I couldn't see it. So I had to hear what he was saying. He said, oh, you're not doing it the way you were doing. No, that's not you. You got to get back to doing it this way. So I would listen to what he says. And because of Gary, I became more consistent in my game. So as a young player who's trying to find his way, you have to find a guy that speaks your language. That when you hear what he's saying, you understand it. Like when I, first, Tony, when I first met Tony Gwynn, he showed me the five-and-a-half-hole five swing. And I was like, what the – what is that? <laughs> what, what is that? You know, the I'm, heck what out of here. What the heck is that? But Gary took me in a cage, and I started hitting off the tee, and I started hitting the ball on the tee and bouncing it straight up off the tee. And it shortened my swing up. And then I got to the point where two months later when he said, okay, let's level it out. I was able to level it out. But what it taught me was what Tony was saying. I could see it, but I didn't understand it. Gary showed it to me. Now I heard it, and now I can see it. You see what I mean? So when you're a young player, you're going to see a lot of things that you don't understand, but it's going to take that one player to help you hear it so that now you can see it, and then you can figure it out. So that's what I would be as a young player. I'm trying to talk to everybody and every on every team about something so that I can hear it, and then I can learn it, and then I can see it. And if I can see it, then I can be it. The former
2: All-Star Bip Roberts, you'll see him today at 4.30, we're on? We're on at 4.30. 4.30 A's pregame live, and you'll see him throughout the season. And once again, it's always an honor to have you on the program. Thank you, my This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Love me some bibster. Now to Melissa Lockhart, who does an outstanding job covering the A's and the A's farm system, For The Athletic. Nobody better than Melissa Lockhart. She's with us here from The Athletic. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah,
1: I'm doing well. How about you guys?
2: We are doing well. And of course, we we, we want your opinion. There's a lot of opinions out there. When you heard about the trade, did you say, yes, it's a great deal for the A's? Or did you say, well, it's one of those, like a lot of deals, we're going to have to wait and see.
1: You know, I, I think you do this long enough and you almost always have to wait and see, right? I mean yeah. I know that's that's not the the like good answer for No top, we Melissa,
2: we no need order, to know, you know now. We need to know <laughs> right. right now. Did they win I this mean, trade?
1: You know, when you're when you're a, a seller, it's all about what happens later, right? So I, I think there's probably no one that when the A's traded Jeff Samarja uh, to the White Sox was like, Man, that that's a trade that's gonna make them, you know, have Marcus Simeon, you know, MVP candidate and Chris Bassett, one of the best pitchers in the league. I mean, you know, a lot of people sort of were like, eh, you know, who knows? So I, I think you got to give it a little bit of time. I, I do think, um, you know, the guys they got back really addressed a need in the system, obviously pitching beyond the major league level has been a real issue for the A's in their minor league system the last two seasons. So, um, you know, these are guys that are not that far away. So I think you have a good sense of who they could be, which I think is, is good. You know, sometimes, the, the sexier names are the ones that are in a ball because they're the ones that kind of have this hype about them. Um, and you see that a lot like the Mariners package that they got, uh, you know, Louis for Luis Castillo that they sent to the reds. But I think ultimately there's so much variance about what can happen to a player from a ball to the big leagues that when you get a guy who's already established himself with AAA or has made a few starts in the big leagues, like JP Sears, you have a much better idea of what you're going to get there. Um, So from a risk perspective, I think this deal is a lot less risky than some of the other ones.
2: Yeah, it's like on uh, draft day in the NFL, they're giving grades out. you got no idea what your third, (laughs) fourth, fifth. Uh, These two fifth-rounders got, nobody has any idea. It's going to take some time. I will say this from your own publication. Keith Law, who also writes for The Athletic, I've read his article. It says, Law's trade report, Yankees add Frankie Montas – I don't like the trade for the A's. So he did not love this trade when he looked at it. So it is a wait and see, but tell me why this can be a win for the A's.
1: Well, I think as long as they are playing at the Coliseum, A's teams have to pitch well. That's basically the winning formula for every team that's been in this, you know, stadium since they moved to Oakland has been based on having a strong pitching staff. And, uh, you know, right now, they are transitioning from what was a very strong starting rotation, you know, maybe arguably one of the top five in all of baseball last year uh, to a a really big unknown. And you have Cole Irvin and you have James Caprillion and you have Paul Blackburn, you know, as as pieces that you can look to for the next couple of years, but beyond those three guys uh, you know, you've got so many injury issues with, with Dalton Jeffries. And then, you know, guys that were sort of um, not progressing as you would hope to triple a that there just was a huge unknown there. So, starting back in spring training and adding the, the players that they added in those trades in the spring and then adding the players that they added today there's just so many more candidates to fill those spots now um, and then those who don't make it in the rotation can fill bullpen spots that uh, the chances of having a strong pitching staff are so much better now than there were you know six months ago and ultimately if they can pitch they can win no matter how much how much or how little they hit at, at the Coliseum and as long as are going to be at the coliseum that's how they should build these
2: teams yeah you prevent runs whether it's with your pitching or your defense it's going to give you uh it's going to give you an opportunity in the late great ray fossey just pounded us it's pitching and defense with the a's that's you know it's when home runs are flying out fossey was always pitching and defense so we live by that a wall to chuck from san diego pitched to st mary's uh left-hander with a big arm do you see him front of the rotation, middle, back of the rotation? How do you see him?
1: Yeah, I think he's got a real shot to be a number one or number two guy in the rotation. You know, he's got four pitches that he can turn to that are all, you know, major league average or better, which is is really solid place to start from. He's got the velocity to miss bats, but he also can change speeds really well. He seems like he has some pitch ability already, um, you know, that St. Mary's, pitching factory kind of gives these guys a really good base to work from and then they seem to come to the pros and just take off so um you know he's a guy um you know it's actually funny uh, my next door neighbor randomly is good friends with his mom from childhood and has been asking me about him throughout his pro career so i've been following him very closely since inside info Yeah. And so, so I was very excited to tell her that I'll have a lot more information on him (laughs) coming soon. So, um, but I mean, you know, he's, he's dominated every level that he's pitched at so far as a pro um, pitched in the futures game and uh, just seems like a guy that can sort of slot in there in that number one or number two spot for them.
2: And the great thing is, and we we're just talking to the AAA voice for the Yankees, like these guys, are, they're ready to start pitching in the big leagues, right? So, uh, you know, whenever you get this super young talent and you just wonder and you have no clue, uh, you're talking about guys that are going to be pitching in the big leagues probably maybe later this year. Uh, we just saw Sears when the A's played the Yankees. So it's been explained to us that he could be a starter, could pitch out of the bullpen, Versatile guy. Obviously he's already pitched in the big league. So would you do you expect to see both these guys with the A's at some point this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, they don't have that rotation spot for Montas filled yet, right? They they yeah. don't have to fill it because they've got the off days. So uh, it's entirely possible that Sears gets one uh, start in Las Vegas and gets a chance to fill that rotation spot right away. We'll have to see kind of how they decide to fill that there. Obviously, there's there's a few other candidates with Logue and, and Adrian Martinez and, um, you know, that, that they can go to. But um, I would expect you'll see both of them. I think Waldechuk hasn't had quite as much uh, AAA experience yet. so they might give him a few more starts but um you know I I think you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching as they go down to the end of the season now I think they're at that point where they didn't trade away a whole lot of the veteran guys so you're not going to see a wholesale you know kind of group come up but um I think you are going to start to see guys maybe Pache getting a chance to come back and see if you know the improvements he made can stick um some of the pitchers getting opportunities as well because I think You know, ultimately, these next couple of months are their opportunity to sort of see what is our building point for the start of next year. And, you know, guys like like uh, Chad Pender and stuff may not be there, but um, some of these other guys are going to be. So they have to kind of see a little bit what they're going to get from them.
2: So earlier today, before we brought you on, Adam Marco does the play by play for the AAA ball club for the Yankees, so he, these guys were in his, in his rotation, so he's been calling their games. He hasn't seen Luis Medina yet, um, who he said, though, reports are he was about to at some point come up to AAA for the Yankees, throws really hard, has had control problems in the past. What have you found out about him?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you summarized it pretty well. I mean, he's a guy that hit reportedly one Oh three on the radar gun, you know, so this is a guy that can really, really throw a hard fastball. He's got a, a hard breaking ball as well. Um, the ACE talked David force talked about keeping them in the rotation. He, he's running low on options though. I, you know, it wasn't clear to me whether this is his final option year or next, but either way they're going to have to figure out a, a big league role for him pretty soon. So it may make more sense for him to eventually become a reliever because there is a little more development that needs to happen just because he's only at AA at this point. And there is those command issues. And sometimes those command issues lessen when you have a guy that can just – focus on two pitches as opposed to trying to get three or four working for him. But uh, I mean, absolutely electric arm. And there is a lack of electric arms, you know, in the system, or at least there was, I think they've added quite a few over the last uh, six months, but um, you know, velocity has never been a strength of the A system. And so he immediately becomes one of those really notable guys because of his ability to throw hard. Um, And I think a fallback as a late inning reliever, you know, is a pretty solid floor for somebody um, that you're looking at. And, um, you know, like Domingo Acevedo was another top Yankees prospect who he did throw harder than he throws now um, earlier in his Yankees career. He had a a little bit of injury issues, but, you know, he's a guy the A's were able to figure out a good bullpen role for, um, you know, at time the Yankees were really high on him as a potential starter. So, um, you know, I think that would be a floor for Medina. And if things click together quickly, if he can develop a third pitch, like a a change up in the A system and, and refine his command a little bit he's got a chance to be a a starter as well
2: cooper bowman i'm here you know you hear the you hear what david force had to say you read some reports and then you see he's hitting 217 um what do we know about him and will he actually be able to play up the middle some people kind of vary on his skills i know he's kind of a second base shortstop guy what are you hearing there
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I think, you know, he's kind of a scrapper. Um, It reminds me a lot actually of what Joey Wendell's sort of um, profile was when the A's acquired him a little younger um, in his career. Uh, You know, the average is a little misleading, I think, because the league he's he was in that Sally league is filled with a lot of pitcher parks. Um, And the fact that he was still getting on base, he was stealing bases. He was playing a number of different positions, I think gives you a sense of what his strengths really are. Uh, I think that what you were seeing, um, compared to last year that was lacking was a little bit of the power, which I think is a reflection somewhat of that league and this sort of what, what it suppresses of hitters. So, um, you know, I don't expect him to be a middle of the order guy, but I think he's one of these guys that can be, um, you know, second baseman, third baseman, play some shortstop if you need him. I think they'll probably try him out in center field a little bit, too. Um, can steal a lot of bases, get on base, and and be just sort of a, a useful player. And, um, yeah, he's got a great baseball name already. So <laughs> it reminds me of those Bowman baseball cards when we were a kid.
2: <laughs> yeah. So where are we now with the A's system? How strong is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's coming together. It's not where it was a few years ago when, you know, you were looking at um, that whole wave that was coming up, um, you know, with uh, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and everybody, but it's getting closer to... That bulk of interesting players again. You know, I think the last two drafts have been really strong. I'm very excited to see the guys that they um, drafted start playing in the next couple of days. I think they're looking at like August 8th for a lot of those guys to get sent out. Um, you know, there's there's some really dynamic position players that they've added to the system. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom's making his AA debut debut right now. You know, as a 20 year old, which I think is really exciting to see. Um, I think he's going to be a major power force for them um, in the in the near future. Zach Off's a really dynamic player. Even Logan Davidson, who I think a lot of people have given up on, is having a really nice rebound year at AA. So um, there's some useful players there. And then the pitching now kind of coming together a little bit more. So um, there's just a lot more interesting players to look for, which I think you, you really didn't see as much last year. So um, it's it's still a work in progress. I imagine we'll see more trades in the offseason that will probably enhance it even further. Um, but I think it's off to a good start anyway.
2: So when you say trades in the off season, we're talking about big leaguers. Who do you think that would be?
1: I mean, I, you know, I think it, it logically you would look at Sean Murphy and who the, they've acquired behind Sean Murphy in the last, uh, you know, six months and getting Shay Langoliers and, and, and drafting uh, Daniel Susick. Um, I don't think they have to move him. And obviously I do think he's a very special player. You've seen the bat really come alive lately and the defense is, is outstanding, but um You know, there was probably quite a few discussions that had, you know, came to not full fruition during this, you know, that'll probably get revisited in the offseason. I know Cleveland has been very, very interested in him and they've got a very deep farm system. So, um, you know, I'd be I don't know that it's a slam dunk that he'd be moved, but certainly he'll be popular. I think Ramon, you know, Laureano will be popular as well, and they'll have to kind of see you know, what they want to do there. Um, But, you know, so those are, those are guys you might look at as, as potentially being moved, but I I don't know that they'll be in a position where they have to move anyone like they were this year.
2: You know, I think about Sean Murphy and if you follow this team, you got to think, are the A's going to win next year? If you had to say yes or no, what would you say? (laughs) Probably not. Okay. How about the year after that?
1: You know, I, 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 I never put it past them because they've come together so quickly in the past. And I do think the fact that you've got guys like Geloff and Soderstrom in double-A doesn't take that completely out of the equation. And the pitching is starting to look better in the upper levels. I wouldn't put a pin on that year and say, that's the year that the window for sure opens, but I think there's a chance.
2: Okay. So that takes two years. Let's just say two years, Murphy. You haven't wanted two years. You have had him for another two years. He's now getting expensive and he's getting into his thirties, and we know in the past he's had bad knees. So that's where if they would have moved him, I know the fan base would have been upset, but I would have understand like, okay, Murph's coming into his own and he's, you know, he's gonna hit better now, which I'm hoping he's been hot lately. Let's see see how it works out. But it's like having a really good catcher who can hit and you're in last place doesn't do you any good when he's twenty eight and twenty nine, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think they didn't trade him because they were concerned about fan backlash. I think that would have, you know, precluded a lot of trades if that, if that yeah. had been something that they consider. Um, but uh, I, I think, honestly, the catching market clearly didn't come to the same level that people kind of thought it was going to. You look at Wilson Contreras is still on the Cubs, which is kind of amazing. You know, a guy's going to be a free agent. Well, well he yeah.
2: said – wait, uh, wait, hold on, Melissa. He, he took Cubs off his Instagram. There's no way he can still be a Cub.
1: He, he's he's still there. He hugged everyone. There was tears. Yes, he they said good goodbye.
2: You yeah. hey, you take you take you take your team off Instagram. It's a big story. You're for right. sure gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> gonna have to come back with a beard or something because it's like, you know, um, I mean, it's I mean it, it, it is really interesting. So I I just I think there were only a few clubs that were really maybe in the market for catchers, and those clubs, for whatever reason, decided not to pull the trigger at this deadline. But I do think that these clubs will reconsider things in, in an offseason. season. And um, I, you know, I do think Murphy will be one of the more attractive players on the market. And, you know, I think we will see Shea at some point, you know, during the second half and it'll give the A's a good chance to see, you know, is this guy ready to be the primary catcher at a big league level next year? I think they feel like he probably is, but they'll give him a good chance to, to get his feet wet, you know, the second half of this season.
2: Yeah, this is – I just looked up Langoliers. It was my next question. Uh, hitting 277 and 8.83 OPS. I, the numbers are always skewed down in Vegas, but 19 bombs, 318 ABs, MVP of the Futures game. Uh, how much more does he got to do down there? I mean, what, what when, when are we going to – I know we have 8,000 catchers in this system and you only can play one a night. Uh, how much longer? Does he need to be in Vegas anymore?
1: No, I I don't think so. I think, you know, the issue is more just who they have, you know, in Oakland. I think they're, they're giving both Murphy and, and vote those starts. So they don't have a spot for him at the moment. Um, I, I think he has shown enough to go up there. You know, he's a very similar player to Murphy um, hits the ball really hard, is not going to hit the ball for average, but is going to hit for power and the defense is going to really make him that valuable player. And I think it'll be helpful for him to have time with both um you know, Murphy and vote, because I think it'll give him an opportunity to, to soak up, you know, two of one of the more intellectual catchers out there. So um, it's probably not something they want to do so early because he won't get a ton of at bats. And I don't think they want to rob him of those at bat, those regular bats that he's getting right now, just in terms of reps. But uh, I, I would expect by, you know, maybe end of this month, you know, he'd be up there, um, you know, certainly by that extra two players in September, Ugh. but um, maybe even before that.
2: I mean, like, seriously, I got to do this minor league report every day. I want to go, why is he still there? I want to see him and I want to see him now. All right. So let me give you, uh, just give me a couple players. That for you, your wish list, if you say, okay, these are the one, two, three guys that I want to see at some point in Oakland, this is their name, take Langleyers out, who else would you like to see and why?
1: Well, I'd like to see Garrett Acton, the reliever, um, who's really pitched well in Las Vegas. I think it'd be very interesting to see how he slots in in this sort of revamped uh, bullpen. And, you know, I know that Danny Jimenez came back and took um, Lou Trevino's spot in the bullpen. But I think there's obviously a a spot for another kind of late inning type arm at some point. So I'd really like to see him, um, you know, very interested in seeing both Sears and Valdachuk at some point. This year, and and I'd like to see how Christian Pache's changes, you know, play out back at the big league level. He's getting the ball in the air a little bit more, um, which was really his main objective in going down to Las Vegas. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the the defensive talent and um, is is already major league quality or better. Um, so if he can just hit a little bit, I think he'd bring a lot to the team because the, you know the center field defense is just not quite the same without him out there. So uh, it would be a really good to see what kind of rebound he can have when he comes back up.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I hate to say it. I actually forgot about him. I haven't thought about him in a while, because and I, and, I know he dipped, and it just kind of depresses me, because at one point it's like, oh, he's hitting three twenty, and then I look now, he's hitting fifty six. I mean, that's going to be the question about Pache. He's athletic. He's a super kid. I mean, a really nice kid. Everybody loved him up here. Uh, as you said, defensively, he can go get it. I mean, he's he's a he, – I think when he came over, people didn't realize how big he is. He's like an NFL free safety type size. He's a pretty decent sized kid who can run. It's just the question, is he going to be able to hit? Can he compete on a daily basis in that box against big league pitching?
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I think that remains to be seen a little bit, but there there were certainly mechanical issues that were not um allowing him to get the ball up in the air. And so, you know, if if those are being addressed, I don't think he was ever gonna be a high average guy anyway. But if he's able to get the ball up in the air and hit for power more, um, you know, you can tolerate two thirty if he's hitting 20 home runs and he's stealing 20 bases. So um, you know, I think that's what you're what you're looking for. And I think that's certainly within well within his, you know, outcomes. Um, with the talent that he's got. Cause he was hitting the ball really hard. He was just hitting it on the ground. And there's just not a lot you can get out of that uh, at the big league level.
2: So now for you, cause you've been, you've been scouring all these guys. I know you have to do stuff with the giants too. Sometimes. I mean, is, is this now, thank God it's over, grab a glass of wine and just relax a little bit now that we don't have to worry about the waiver wire process anymore, that this is it. We had our deadline.
1: Yeah. I mean, with the draft coming right before this, it's been, (laughs) you know, a brutal, (laughs) I'd say six weeks for all of us that that kind of do this stuff for a living. So um, I I think, we got to get through tonight and the content that comes out of that, but um, it will be a little bit more relaxing after that. And and I'm really looking forward, you know, when it comes to the A system, so many guys were hurt and they're all kind of coming back right now. Um, And so I think it's going to be a lot more fun these next couple of months to follow the teams, because I think you're going to really start to see their best guys, um, you know, actually have reps and make, Progress, where so many of them were on the injured list for so much of the year. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, I could use a few days off. I
2: think. Well, I, I just said this the other day with Eno Saris on the air. I say it when we have you on. Journalism is not dead. The Athletic, the work that you do is fantastic. And I don't care whether you're talking baseball football's fantastic if you're a niner fan raider fan you're warrior fan you're sharks fan you guys do an unbelievable job covering sports it's worth the money i suggest everybody subscribe it's not that expensive it is worth it quality journalism you guys do a fantastic job and thank you for coming on we always appreciate your time
1: well, thank you, and that ten dollars I gave you to bribe you for that endorsement. Goes but
2: to hey, hey, remember, remember when? Because radio is the same thing. The consultants would come in and they say less is more. And what we found out with podcast, or what we found out with the Athletic, that's not the case. If you are a good writer and you give me an article. It doesn't need to be less than one page. It doesn't have to be half a page like you get on ESPN.com. It can be eight pages, but if it's quality journalism, we'll read it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're turning out. And as you said, I mean, any sport, even soccer, if you're getting into the World Cup and everything, you know, highly recommend you guys coming on and, and joining us. But I, I appreciate the, the endorsement.
2: Well, exhale and enjoy. We'll be calling soon.
1: All right. Thank you guys so much.
2: Melissa Lockhart does a great job for The Athletic. We'd like to thank Mike Gallego, Bip Roberts, and Melissa Lockhart for joining us on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Powered by iHeartRadio.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.